Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. It's been a while since we had any proper footy to chat about, but thankfully the Reds are back this weekend with a home game against Brighton. We'll be previewing the game at Anfield and discussing some other noteworthy happenings during the international break, including Trent's submission by England, our injured captain's insistence on being there, and Jude Bellingham seemingly getting farther from our financial reach with each passing appearance. I'm Chris Smith and I've got TLW editor Dave Usher and longtime contributor Dan Thomas here for this one. Dave, this one's happening kind of at my insistence because I'm really bored, I'm depressed as a Category 4 hurricane decimating half of my state at the moment and I just felt like having a beer and chatting with some mates about the Reds. Yeah, uh, you've kind of wrote me into this. I've just actually <laughs> dragged myself off the sofa where I'd fallen asleep. I'd, I'd had like half an hour sleep and I'd set me alarm because I knew I had to get up to do this, so... Getting going to sleep at nine o'clock is just not it's it's an age thing, I suppose. Yeah, defo. Um Dan, um you've had a, a nice uh, little international break with your uh, triumphant rugby league happenings. Yeah, yeah, this, this is my first appearance of the season, Chris, so I'm officially more used to Nabi Keita. But uh, nice. yes, um since winning um the league on Saturday, making it four in a row is is heaven for me. Um what an achievement, what a team. What, um, I won't say what a town because that's patently not true, but uh, I am very, very proud of, of my team. Um, incredibly proud. It's something that most people listening won't, won't even know about, but to win four in a row in a sad cap sport is just unbelievable. I'll, I, it moved me to tears on Saturday. Uh, and a lot of that was tears of relief, to be honest, because we'd lost um, four finals in a row to Leeds and four in five years, about not nice. like not ten years ago. So yeah, um, very very delighted. Play up St. Helens. Nice up the uh, non-Tory egg chasers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you won't you, okay. won't, you won't catch us crashing any currencies. There you go. Yeah, fucking hell. Tell me about it. I, I mean, just on that front, I, I live in the US, obviously, but I, most of my money's owned in pounds, and I've just spent like the last week kind of just crying mm-hmm. into my, uh, into my coffee as I realised that every penny, any, every penny I earn is worth less than like when I come to spend it. But anyway, um, it's been a long time since we, um, since we had a chat. I mean, well, I can't even remember what our last game was. Was it the European game? Ajax, wasn't yeah, it? It, it was, was, yes, yeah. it was. So, bloody hell, so that's getting on for like almost a month ago. Um, we had the Queen dying and the funeral, and then we had um, the international break. I'm not sure which was more tiresome, but they both fucking sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but there were a couple of sort of noteworthy things that happened, Liverpool-related, during the international break. Um, the one that probably made the most headlines, Dave, was uh, Trent being omitted from the uh, the national squad or the match day squad for the game against Germany, which sort of dragged up that whole Southgate and Trent thing all over again. Yeah, it did. Uh, it, it's not really a massive surprise. It's it's obvious that like Southgate's got considerable like doubts, shall we say? Um, I've got a, a different take on this than most people though. So, like, I think he's perfectly within his, his rights to do this, and I also understand why why he does it. And it's two reasons really. Like, firstly, I'd say it's not a defence of Southgate in any way, shape, or form. It's actually a, a, an indictment of his shitness, if you like, because it, you know Trent's world class. Southgate's got no idea how to get the best out of him. So, with that in mind, I understand why he wouldn't pick him because he's not getting the trend that we know he's getting like a, a real like pale imitation of that because Trent can't do the things he does for us while he's playing in in, in the England setup because totally different team 
And also, because of that, you know, Southgate's got a way of playing. He wants to play a certain way. Now, I don't know what that is because I don't watch England and, you know, I've got no respect for Southgate as a coach. I don't think he's particularly good. But at the same time, if he wants to play a certain way and he needs players to do certain things in certain roles in his team and Trent is not doing that because it's not Trent's, it's not his strengths, well then, you know, if he picks like Rhys James or Kieran Trippier ahead of Trent, to us it's like, what are you doing? That's mental. Cause, because we would never do that in our setup. But in his setup... Yeah, they they're both really good players. Reese James is. I, I really like Reese James. I think he's quality. I also think mm-hmm. Trippier is a really good player as well. And they may just be much better suited to how Southgate wants to play than Trent. So therefore, I understand his reason for not really fancying him. Now, what I don't really understand is well, play him somewhere else where where you can get the best of him. You know, which midfield is like the obvious, the obvious one. Mm-hmm. He did that. He he tried it once, didn't he? And Klopp was a little bit snarky about it in in a press conference, and yeah, he brought him off after an hour as well. I yeah, think, and, he and then he's not he's not really looked at it again. So I, I think it's stupid to just be disregarding someone with with the attributes that Trent's got. But I completely understand why he's not playing him at right back in his particular system because, mm-hmm. as I say, you know he's not he's not like a, a good enough coach to be able to get the best out of Trent. So if you're not getting the best out of him and then you've got other right-backs who can play the way you want to play, well, then it makes sense. But it's he's going to get stick for it because it, you can argue that Trent is arguably England's best player. And I'm saying that just on the basis that we'll look at the Ballon d'Or votes, who gets mm-hmm. named in like the you know the, the, the FIFA World Team of the Year or whatever it is. Trent's be, like, been in that twice. Um, he's the only player in the England squad who's been in it. I read somewhere, and he's and he's done it twice. Nobody else in the England squad is, is seen as like the best in their position in world football. Um, but yeah, I never thought about it like that to be honest. Yeah, so like, it, my eyebrows sort of went up a little bit when I heard you say that. Yeah, but you're I, right. No, nobody else has, has got got a um, Ballon d'Or. Trent's got. I think I read that he's got more votes, more Ballon d'Or votes than the rest of the squad put together. So. You know, there's that as well. So uh, there's no question in Trent, Trent's world-class credentials. That was a hell of a mouthful, by the way. Trent's world-class <laughs> credentials. There's no question in that at all. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the best option to play uh, a right, right back in a Gareth Southgate team. So I totally get why he's not doing it. But I also think it's really easy for me to say that because I don't want him to be picked. You know, the, nothing would please me more than Trent not being at the World Cup, let him put his feet up mm-hmm. and then come back with a massive chip on his shoulder, wanting to just say, you know, fuck you, you leave me out the World Cup, watch what I'm going to do now. So right. it, it's it's win-win for us if he doesn't get picked. It's obviously not great for Trent if, if that's what he's, you know, I'm sure he's wanting to go. But it can't be much fun for him either. You know, playing for England no. can't be much fun for Trent at all because he's getting like constantly. It's bad enough the scrutiny he gets playing for us with all this Trent can't defend bullshit. You know, Trent can defend. Trent's not defended particularly well this season. That that's there's no getting away from that. But to say that he can't is you know it's he's just not being in form. It's not that he can't defend. He's just not being in particularly good form. And uh, you know, without going into this in too much detail, but like the right hand side of our team has not been. 
um, balanced in the, in the same way as it has been when Trent's been doing really well. And you've got Harvey there who doesn't give the same protection as Hendo for mm-hmm. you know various reasons. Uh, Mo's been playing so wide. I mean, we we can see that with our own eyes, but you've also seen all like the data that's been put out there, the heat maps and all of that stuff, like what, the position he's in when he receives the ball. He's really wide, which means. So are we doing that thing where like Trent's supposed to be playing like De Bruyne in that inside position? In which case, again, it just makes it even more obvious why Southgate's not picking him because he doesn't play that way. You know, that's not what he's what we're wanting from our right back is not what Southgate's wanting from a right back. Now right. Pep Guardiola would look at Trent and go, "Yeah, give me some of that. I can definitely put him in my team. It'll be perfect for me because he he will bring his fullbacks inside and and they play as, they don't play the same way that our fullbacks play, but they do play as like playmakers if you like. I mean, Cancelo's like other than De Bruyne, Cancelo's like a really big playmaker for them. Um, and it, they do play inside a lot more than a lot of teams, so. It's it's all about the coaching really, and Southgate's not a good enough coach, and his, his setups a lot more basic than how we play, and that's why Trent's not getting in because we can argue till the cows come home that we think Trent's better than Reese James or whatever, and yeah, for us he he would be, but that's for me though it speaks to like a much a much bigger like longer running problem when it comes to England, and it's their complete inability to work out a way to accommodate any player who is slightly outside of what is considered to be a traditional positional player in like a rigid system. Like it Mm. goes back decades. You look at like, but even before like John Barnes, you've got like Glenn Hoddle, like never showed his best for England. That's before my time, but you know, apparently that's the case. Hoddle, like Letizia, people like that who never even got a look in like, um, Gascoigne probably should have done more for England than he did although there are other factors in play as well but like it just speaks to that whole unless you fit into a very very certain box then you're not really going to get that much of a look in, in an England team yeah because you, you, it's it's not just England it's international football in general really I mean you know there's been times when Italy were leaving out like Totti or you know players like that and you think well why are they not picking them it's because a manager wants to play a certain way and that player great as he is doesn't necessarily play the way that the manager wants him to play and so then you've got to make the decision do you do what they did where it's like okay we've got to try and shoehorn Gerrard and Lampard in because they're both great players or do you say you know what I'm, I'm picking one of them and then I'm putting somebody next to him that will allow him to mm-hmm. thrive. And it, England never really did that because every every coach was like, well, I can't leave Lampard out and I can't leave Gerrard out. They're both too good. And even at one point, they were trying to put Scholes in as well. So he gets like shunted out to the left. And then obviously Scholes retires from international football, which removes that problem for the manager. But yeah, it's it's international football in general because it's not your club coach. You know, you yeah. play for the team and your manager wants you to play a certain way and then a manager of an international team wants to do something completely different and you've got to be brave. I mean, Southgate not picking Trent, the easiest thing to do would probably be for him to pick him because he's not going to get everyone saying, why are you not picking him? So it's actually quite brave to not pick him but because he, he knows he's going to get stick for it as well. People saying, well, you can't get the best out of him. He's a great player. Why aren't you picking him? So it's it's a headache for him either way. Uh, and as I say, it's easy for me to say this because I don't want him to be getting picked anyway. So I'm quite happy when Southgate yeah. doesn't pick him, and I'll I'll go to bat for Southgate as to why he shouldn't pick him, <laughs> just because I don't want him to pick him. He shouldn't pick Hendo either. 
No, we'll, we'll get onto that in a second. But like Dan, there's a couple of ways of looking at this from my perspective. Like there is the obvious, the obvious headlines that it creates, which aren't beneficial to necessary to us and Trent when it comes to the current discourse surrounding him. But also like. And I think Steve Kelly raised this point on Twitter this week that why were we bothered all of a sudden about like an England, a Liverpool player not being picked by England? And I thought about it because it's a pretty good point. And for me, it just comes down to like, as much as I don't want our players being picked for England, like I'm damn well not going to sit back and watch them be disrespected by that fucking wet blanket either. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it, it's pretty obvious, isn't it, that Gareth doesn't fancy Trent. It's as simple as that, really. Um, I think just touching on, on what Dave just spent a lot of time going over in excellent detail uh, I just think that England are a bit more rigid in the way they play than Liverpool they have a system and everyone needs to stay in that system and there's no kind of flexibility whereas we're happy to watch our full backs push on and we'll have people drop in to cover them Gareth Southgate doesn't want that. Gareth Southgate wants everyone to be Mason Mount and be nice little boys who do as they're told. So <laughs> that is the fundamental thing with, with Trent for me. But if, if you remember, Trent wasn't going to the Euros until pretty much the eve of the tournament and then he changed, yeah. he, he changed mm-hmm. his mind. So don't be surprised if the same happens again. I, I don't know if there was kind of like pressure from from the media or, or, or players or if someone get, got injured I don't remember if someone might have picked up a knock and that was why he went I can't remember but it's pretty similar to, to what's going on then you know like there was there was hype before the Euros that Trent wasn't going to be going and the World Cup is what a matter of five weeks or so away now maybe it's a bit longer um, That the build up has already started now I, I think like I am a lot more interested in England than most Liverpool fans. That's not to say that I like the whole shebang because I don't. I find them very difficult to identify with. I like some of the players. Um, I can't stand the dickhead fans. That, and that has kind of driven a wedge between me and England since I was a teenager. Um, so I, I watch a bit more of England perhaps than, than some people do. And I, I, I don't see what anyone at right back brings that Trent doesn't. So it, it's just it's just a mystery to me, and 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 Dave's right, you know. Maybe Gareth Southgate's got his ideas of what he wants from a right back, which is probably pass back inside, pass back inside, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and Trent is probably possibly a bit too adventurous for him. Um, but this is a man who plays Kyle Walker as a right-sided centre back because of his mm-hmm. recovery pace. You know, it's different managers think in different ways. The most important thing for me is that Trent is looked after mentally because this can't be good for him. You yeah. know, he nearly missed out on the Euros last year and could do the same with the World Cup. Now, he's only a young lad still, as good as he is and as much as he's achieved. You know, like, we, we, that, that's my biggest concern. It's, it's Trent himself. We're all happy that he's not going to be going to the World Cup if that's what happens. As far as I'm concerned, he is one of many players pretty much all of our players who was probably going to benefit massively from that six-week break that we're going to have. Um, so if he doesn't go, great. But I, I would hope, that, and I'm sure that Jürgen will come and put his arm around him and say, look, Trent, it's not you, it's him. Yeah. Because it's it's pretty, ob- <laughs> it's pretty obvious that Jürgen has got a lot of contempt for the way that Gareth Southgate treats Trent Alexander-Arnold. A lot of contempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Dan, you mentioned our players and and the need for this six week break, and I'll come to you first on this. Um, 
like Jordan Henderson is another one. I think a lot of us were sort of quite surprised when he was called up to the squad. One of their play, one of the players got injured. I can't remember who it was, and and it meant that like Hendo Hendo came into the squad and he wasn't fit. Um, he didn't play in the first game. He came on and ran around like a blue ass fly in after in stoppage time of the the Germany game. Um, I didn't. I didn't like it. I didn't like the fact that he went for a starters. I didn't like the fact that um, he was used as an injury time substitute by Southgate when that was completely unnecessary. Uh, what did you make of all that? Yeah, don't like seeing the players come on as, as a substitute in international duty. It always feels like a recipe for disaster, especially with with uh, with Jordan, who's just coming back to fitness as well. You know, he's been out for for a few weeks. So I, I was disappointed to see that he had kind of put his hand up and said, I want to play a pick me. Um, I, I get it. It's difficult for us because our priority is and always will be Liverpool, but we're not professional footballers. So it, it's difficult for me to sit here and, and judge Jordan Henderson for wanting to go and play for England. He probably wants to get as many caps as he can. To be honest with you, this possibly might be his last tournament and he probably wants to give Gareth Southgate... I can't even say his name, sorry. He probably wants to give... Gareth Southgate to kick up the backside and say, you know, I'm here, don't forget me, I want to go. He's not going to forget Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson's going to be one of the first names on his team sheet. But, you know, we, we don't know how, how the player thinks. For me, it, he should have stayed with Liverpool. I, I don't like to see people who have been injured um, for a couple of weeks and then when an international window comes along, off they go gallivanting. To the, to the international team and I, I've already called him up once I'll do it again I'm pretty sure that Keita went on international duty as well um, if, if I remember rightly I, I may be horribly mistaken but I'm sure he was called up at least whether he went or not I don't think I he don't, went did he? I'm, I'm not sure to be honest with you I'm, I, don't I think there's really... been an instance where he has they called him up this time but Klopp just laughed it off I was like yeah, he's yeah. not going to be ready for that well, well, good, good on Jurgen in that case, um, because I was about to call Keter out for it, but there's, there's no need to do so on on this occasion. Well, so, no, Dan, but like uh, I was going to make that point actually. I, I wasn't going to call Keter out, but I was going to say what happened with Hendo there. If that had been Keter who'd done that, then all hell would have break loo- would have broke loose over it. And yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah. There is a difference. Then Hendo's got credit in the bank, um, so you know he he does deserve some benefit of the doubt but I just my take on that was he shouldn't have gone but I completely understand why he did and I'd have been fine with it if he hadn't come on as a sub in stoppage time you know if he'd have just gone it's because Southgate wanted him around the squad ahead of the World Cup and the training sessions will be good as well because we need him to, to, to get himself back after his injury so training would be good I'd have been fine with all that, but don't be playing. You know, don't be picking him for games when he, he hasn't played for us because he's had an injury and his first game back is for England. I know it was only a couple of minutes in stoppage time, but as you say, you know that that's not good anyway because you're coming exactly. on like at that stage of a game, it, it, it's you would worry about injuries. I think I'd have rather he got like 15 minutes than come on yeah. like for for like two, three, four minutes, whatever. And and he's coming on and I didn't watch it, but you said he came on and he was like running around like a blue ass fly. So that's that's not good for me. But I understand why Hendo's done it because hopefully, and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. He's he's seeing this as like his swan song. You know, it's it's going to be his last major tournament because it should be. 
he should be hanging it's not it up what after he's this. saying now is it well we'll see what happens afterwards but if he carries on after this then that's not good you know we gave him that the new contract big pay rise right. and he's had and i love him don't don't get me wrong this is not like me having a go ahead though but i do think that he's got to prioritize after this world cup i totally get why he wants to play in this world cup and why he felt like he needed to be part of the the, the squad and the build-up i totally get all that and i'm okay with it but this has got to be it. You know, you're playing this and then you call time on it because he's picking up injuries for us now. He's getting right. on a bit. We, he plays like, a, you know, a high-intensity style. We play a high-intensity style. We can't afford him dropping off a bit, like, you know, in terms of, like, the, the physical side of things. And, you know, and he's always been, like, a, a really fit lad anyway who can run about, but that is going to catch up. Yeah, I mean, as fit as James Milner is, you look at James Milner when he plays 90 minutes now and... It, it's it's not good, you know. Mm-hmm. Now obviously he's a few years older than Hendo. Hendo's not at that stage, but Hendo's picking up more injuries now than Milner did at that age. Yeah, and that is a concern. And I feel as though yeah, okay, you've got one more World Cup in yet, and then that should be it. You should say, okay, I've had my time with England. I'm prioritising Liverpool now. I'm in the latter stages of my career. I really can't be doing with going on like all these international breaks and then playing tournaments and friendlies and all of that shit. He needs mm-hmm. to knock that on the head after the World Cup, and if he doesn't, yeah. I'll, I'll be really disappointed. I mean, I don't, I don't think he will because that's not what he said in the press conference the other day. Like he said, he wants to keep on going. Like the, the point that he made that bothered me was like, I think I played more games than anybody in Europe last season, and that just completely undermines his argument because look at look at yeah, how he's does. looked at the start of this season. He's looked like an old man. He's you know he's mm. he looks like he played them more games than anybody else last season, right? Like. He's, there's been a couple of instances where, and, and it breaks my heart because I'm never gonna, I'm never, I'm, I'm never gonna outwardly criticise Jordan Henderson. He's probably my favourite player, one of my favourite players ever. Right on on the podcast the other week, I called him our most important, biggest sign, best signing ever. So, but like by the same token, we just the point that you made about the contract is a significant one because he because he lobbied hard to get that contract. Yeah. And now he has to prioritise Liverpool. He, it's not an option for him to be, to be doing this. And I just don't think the respect that he gets from Southgate. Dan made the point about Southgate wanting him around the squad, perhaps. But I don't buy that. I think he he treats Jordan Henderson with contempt because of the respect that the other members have, other members of the younger members have the squad of the squad have for Hendo. Right? All that business with uh, saying he was going to pull rank on taking the penalty, uh, taking the penalties off him when. Hendo missed a penalty in that warm-up game or whatever. Like bringing him on uh, in stoppage time in a in a pointless game against Germany, which was petering out into a three-three draw. Like I don't think Gareth Southgate gives Jordan Henderson the respect he deserves, and I don't know. Like I agree, I totally agree. So like, why is why is he bending over backwards to be um, there when? Like Dan says, he's going to go to the World Cup anyway. His place in the squad is not under threat. He has enough credit in the bank to not have to go and join up with the England squad for this. He, for might, this he might not see it like that. Game. Maybe he thinks his place is under threat. I mean, like footballers are often look at it from this perspective. It's like if he's not there and somebody gets called up, like just off the top of me, I'd say Conor Gallagher gets Hendo's place in the squad. Conor Gallagher plays in one of the games and is like shit hot and scores. Then. Hendo's going to be sitting there going, oh shit, 
I should have been there. If I'd have been there, he doesn't get to play that game. He doesn't get to excel and have everyone talking about him and have all like the media lobbying for him to be in the squad. So players look at it from that point of view. They don't want to miss games because they don't want somebody else shining in their place. So yeah. I, I understand why Hendo felt like he needed to be there. Um, but to, as I say again, you know this has got to be the swan song, and after this, he's got to knock it on the head and, and focus on Liverpool. Because I mean, you're saying like he's looked like an old man at the start of the season, but I, I'd put it differently because I, I think he's had fitness problems, injuries like where he's missed training and they've had to manage his minutes. You know, he's not been playing 90 minutes. It's like he'll play like maybe 70, and then he's going off, or he's on the bench and then he's he's coming on. He, he's not. He's not being like flat out. Oh, he's fully fit. We can play him ninety minutes. We can even play him two games a week if need be. It's not been that. And last season will have taken a heavy toll. The amount of games he played. Um, we talk about like oh, he's been susceptible to injuries. Well, last year he didn't really. He was available most of the season, and I think he played more minutes than anyone else in the squad. Or if not, he's certainly like right up there, like top three. So. Last year, will have taken a toll on the legs, and we're seeing the results of it now, where he's had these little niggly injuries. So it just feels like it's rubbing salt in the wounds a little bit that he goes away with England, and then he's getting brought on in, in stoppage time when there's no need to be putting him on. I mean, you don't put him on because you want to have a look at him. You know exactly mm-hmm. what he is. You know, if you got a Southgate, you know exactly who he put him on. He put him on because he because Jude Bellingham had run his balls off, and he wanted to bring Jude Bellingham off for the ovation or whatever. Yeah. It was a. Jordan Henderson was a secondary concern in that decision. But big I mean, time. surely there's somebody else, like not a senior pro, who you, who Precisely. you put on. It's disrespectful, Some, I someone think. Someone who would be grateful for getting a cap. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who else was on the bench, but there'll have been somebody, like a player who's maybe not played much. You put Ivan him on. Tony. Was he, I, he? Didn't he get left out as well, though? I, I don't think he. I don't think he played a minute in. I, the I don't think he up. even made the bench. I think he was. He was just left out completely. Which makes you think. Well, what was the point in calling him up at all? I like him. I think he's a really good player, and he's a red as well. Like so, you know, obviously, hmm. um, I'm a little bit biased towards him there. But no, I think he's really good. But again, it's like why? Why are you calling him up? A player like that, you would call him up to have a look at him, unless he's just been shit in training and he's thought, yeah, there's no point picking him. Which you know, quite may well be the case. Um, I don't really care to be honest. It was brought up, so I've just thrown my opinion in. But I don't actually give a shit whether Ivan Tony plays any minutes for England. Or <laughs> um, but the the point stands that like he could have brought somebody else on in stoppage time rather than sending on like you know an experienced player who he knows everything about and someone who the cap would have maybe meant a bit more to. Okay, so let's look at the bench. Because Hendo uh, wasn't on the bench for the first game, was he? No, no, no. So clearly he wasn't. He wasn't fit at that point. So bringing him on, he, he wouldn't have been properly fit for the second game either if he hadn't have had any any other minutes. Nope. So That's again, what I'm not imagine like if he'd have come on and, and aggravated that injury again. Fucking hell! I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be the first time, would it? Like, but, but I'd be we... just as mad at Hendo as as it would be at Southgate in that situation. Yeah. I'm pissed off. I, I honestly, I'm pissed off with Hendo about this. Like, he needs to, he needs to sort it out. Um, but we mentioned Bellingham, Dan, and um, he had a good game again. Uh, the game he had against City in the Champions League a couple of weeks ago um, got people talking about him even more. And uh, if he's on our radar, we probably kind of need to act quickly because it seems like his price 
tag probably goes up sort of like 10 million every time somebody in England watches him play. He's class, isn't he? Um, I, I, I don't want to sound like a smart aleck know-it-all, but I, I, I kind of heard his name about four years ago before he went to Dortmund. Uh, a friend of mine knows a lot about youth football and he said this this kid's special. So when he went to, to Dortmund... And Birmingham City retired his number, if you remember, because yeah. mm-hmm. um, it, it it bailed him onto the financial um, mess. So like this this kid's been on my radar for a while. So it's been great to see him doing well. Um, I'm not surprised that there's kind of like a quick talk about the price becoming uncomfortable because we we don't like spending money on players. It's as simple as that. I know we've spent a lot in bits and pieces, but we we don't like to spend money. And this kid is gonna be really 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 expensive and I think one of the justifications that the club might have for not going for him and I'm not I'm not saying that he's not on our radar he clearly is we've clearly got a very strong interest in him the problem we've got is do we need to sign at least two midfielders next summer if not more so suddenly if you've got let's let's just say let's go on the on the conservative side of things and say there is 85 million that's still a lot of money for a club like Liverpool who who depend very much on bringing in player sales in order to fund these big purchases and you, you don't see where the, the big outs are coming at the moment because this squad needs some work. I was really banging the drum for a midfielder this summer and glad we got one in the end although Arthur has not really, we've not seen much of him but we've not had the chance because games have been cancelled because this country's batshit crazy. Um, so you know he, he might be good, I, I don't know but my concern with Bellingham is, is yet yeah, he is going to be priced, we're going to be priced out of him unless we A, have something lined up for him already and we've just not announced it, or B, um, which wouldn't surprise me again, is if Dortmund go out of the Champions League, um, then they may be open to business to, to, to move him along in January and they'll get a, a higher premium for him and we'll get a free run at him. That's a possibility. Um, there's also been some some mumblings over the weekend that we might try and offer them Keita, but Dortmund are a smart, <laughs> smart, smart club. They're well known for their smart operations. So why do you want to get stuck with that jabroni? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if if it's true, then let's let, let's see what we can do. Uh, we might value them at three hundred quid and a copy of Girly World, something like that. But yeah, there you go. Yeah. So- it's, it's it's gonna be hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agree, agreed. In fact, you don't even need the copy of Girly World. The three hundred quid will do. Oh, speak it, for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jude, Jude Bellingham is gonna be one of the best midfielders in the world for the next ten years, if not longer. And I I think that whatever we pay for him will be a steal. It's just getting it done is gonna be very difficult. I think he will have interest in coming to us, and I know we've been we've been linked with Joe Bear Bellingham as well. Um, I, th- he signed rumors, a deal with Birmingham though didn't he yeah there, there were rumours earlier in the summer that we were going to sign him on the something like the 15th of September yeah before when, he signed pro yeah um, but that, that that's not materialised so you know, I, I'm sure that the Bellingham's and obviously his dad's his agent isn't he you know like they, they will be watching the situation if he comes to Liverpool he will be a starter next season because as I say midfielders so, you know like Oxley Chamberlain is is going, Keita looks like he's going, um, Henderson is getting older and getting more injuries as we've just been discussing, Milner's about 407, um, he's going to need replacing eventually, um, Thiago 
fantastic player he is, misses a lot of games. We need to get some reinforcements in midfield and Bellingham would be someone to build the team around, not just for next season, but for the next 10 seasons. So mm-hmm. we should really, really prioritise him. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. One thing I didn't really realise about him, I saw him a little bit last season, but I haven't seen him much this season. And I watched that game against City where he was ace and I watched the England-Germany game the other night. Like he's a lot uh, more physically imposing than I thought he was. Like he's big lad and he's strong and athletic and he kind of reminds me of Gerard at that age a little bit where he's kind of still to reach his sort of like full man maturity but you can see he's going to just become an absolute monster, Dave. Yeah, I've not really seen much of him because I don't watch England games. I've seen a couple of couple of Dortmund games in, in Europe. I watched them when he played Rangers and um, I've seen bits of them against City. So, I mean, I'm ma- mainly going on what other people are saying about him. Um, I'm quite happy to take everybody's word for it that he's incredible and um, yeah I'd love us to sign him but I'm getting strong strong Mbappe vibes about this right now mm-hmm. where yeah, yeah. we tried to sign Mbappe when he was a kid we almost got him you know we we kept like a dialogue going with him and his dad and you know Klopp's got a really good relationship with them exact same thing with Bellingham you know he was here on trial we wanted to sign him he stayed at Birmingham. When he left Birmingham, we were banging for him as well, but sensible move. He's, he's gone to Dortmund where he was assured first-team football, regular games, uh, so we missed out again, but we've still kept tabs on him. You know, we've, I'm sure Klopp's kept in touch with him, like, you know, I know not officially, but, you know, how, how, th- how these things work. Sure. So there's definitely a massive interest on our part, but there was with Mbappe as well, and it just reached the point where... The money just went up and up and up to the point where, okay, we can't do it now, you know, because the Mbappe thing, I mean, it, it never really went away. We were still getting linked to them, even though it was, it just looked, how's that even going to be possible when like Real Madrid are coming in for him or, you know, um, say like Man City wants them. We we will not pay the wages that they can pay, and I'm not even saying that as a criticism because we shouldn't be. You know, I I would not be say like someone Real Madrid have been linked with Bellingham this week. You know, all like their fan accounts all over Twitter are saying he's been made the number one priority, and he's expressed an interest in going. It all like the usual shit that you get coming out of Spain. Most of it's just usually it's just nonsense. It's that arrogance in Madrid where like everybody wants to play for Madrid, and you know now. He might. We, we don't know. There may be something in that. What I'm saying is if there is, and if somebody like that does go in for him, the salary will go up to a point that we won't match it. Like, we can't match it. We won't match it. And then you're relying on the player, like in Van Dyke's case, for example, where he's like, well, no, I, that's where I want to go, and it doesn't matter that someone's offering me more money. That's the place I want to go and play me football. So if Bellingham has that mentality, then maybe we could still get him. But... I just feel like by the time... If he has a good World Cup as well, forget about it. 
you know, you, yeah, you've yeah. already got like Guardiola was talking about how good he was the other week. Uh, Real Madrid maybe throwing the hat in the ring as well, and uh, you just feel like we'll get priced out of it. Um, yeah. And I, I don't even think, you know, people say we should have done the deal earlier. I don't think it was possible to do it. Dortmund have got like that strict policy that they have where they sell one player every year. He, it, it wasn't his turn. You know, they were not going to sell him until next summer. So I don't think it was a case of we've dragged our heels or we didn't want to pay the money. I just don't think it was an option to do it. And, yeah. and it's going to work against us probably that by the time he is available, it won't. the timing's not going to be right for us because other clubs are going to be in. Like if he had been available this summer, we, we probably would have been able to get him. But he wasn't and who knows what's going to happen next year. But I don't think that we can be you know putting all our eggs in that basket because... We may well miss out, and as Dan said, it's not like we just need one player either. You know, this yeah. summer we did, but next summer we're going to need two, possibly three midfield players. Um, a lot of that's going to depend just on how the season goes and what we get out of Curtis and Harvey, and, and whether Carvalho seen as a midfielder or you know playing further forward. I don't know, but there's like massive question marks over what we're going to have to do in midfield for next summer. Because there's just too many players who are not going to be yet, or we don't really know what we've got with them yet. Whether they're ready to be, to be first choice playing every week, or if they're just going to be squad players. So we might need to go out and buy like two players to just go immediately into the team, and that's not going to be cheap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we'd hoped over the summer that them keeping the powder dry in terms of not signing a midfielder over the summer was purely down to the fact that they had this lined up, but. As much as we think that we've got it lined up, circumstances change, prices change, and um, things change. So we'll, we'll guess we'll just have to see and, and hope that if he's not the one, we have somebody else lined up who you know is kind of on that second tier that costs half the price and delivers over delivers as we've seen time and time again with our lads. But um, I think it's time to move on to a little bit of a Brighton preview now. It was a quite a useful international break for us in some circumstances. Um, some game time for Darwin. Virgil scored. Darwin scored for Uruguay as well. Um, as far as I know, Dan, we haven't picked up any injuries during the international break, which is a rarity. Um, and we can sort of look ahead to Brighton now, perhaps being a little bit fresher than we've been in a while, hopefully. You would hope that some of the players will feel a bit refreshed. I think the international break came at a good time, but I don't know if it was just me, but I actually thought against Ajax we were actually pretty good for long stretches. Mm -hmm. More like our old selves. I'm not saying completely back to our old selves, but getting get there. So, yeah, the international break was a bit of a strange one, really. Uh, but I'm glad we avoided Chelsea away. That was one that we wanted to give a miss. Um, new manager bounce. Um, Graham Potter has some kind of... Indian sign over us for some some reason, so I'm glad glad that one was missed. But yeah, you, you would hope that this kind of couple of weeks to get our heads sorted and some players will be relaxed and refreshed. Jurgen could probably do with the, with the rest as well. He's probably enjoyed having a, a bit of a rest because it's all been a bit hurrying scurrying since August, and now we have got to get our heads down because the the schedule for the next six or seven weeks until the break, the World Cup break, is cuckoo bananas. So we need to start picking up points and fast. We were kind of discussing this in the you know, when we were having a chat beforehand. There's some very convenient fixtures for us this weekend. There's the Manchester derby and there's the North London derby. So if we get three points on the board against Brighton and get a bit of momentum going, 
things could happen. You know, like we we could start to really see a, a, a bit of a climb up the table and get some momentum because we're a momentum. I can't talk again. We are a momentum team, and we've had none this season, and we've we struggled. You, you you can tell that we're not used to these tired, lethargic, bad performances. We we actually look shaken by how poor we've been, and I hope that this rest that we've had has given us a chance to give our heads a wobble. Good stuff. I mean, Dave, it's um, it's sort of more important now. We didn't know it at the time that there would be no footy for a month, but um, getting that late winner against Ajax was really, really important from the perspective of lifting the gloom ahead of uh, a few weeks without any games to look forward to. Yeah, uh, it was huge. You just we were in the doldrums, and if that if we'd have had another game where we hadn't won. No, we because we, we played well. We we said on the pod like after that game, it was a good performance. And even if we hadn't won, that wouldn't have changed the fact it was a good performance. But when you get that goal, it does change things. It just gives everyone a, a lift, and uh, at the perfect time because then you've got everyone jetting off to go and play for the countries and that. And at least everyone's left with a, like a spring in the step. Um, I'm glad the Chelsea game was off for a number of reasons, like the, the new manager bounce thing. Um, Potter's always done well against us as well and also you know all the other shit that would have surrounded that game with the, the timing of it when it was going to be played uh, yeah we've, we've dodged a bullet there now this might seem like a bit hypocritical when I'm worried about the new manager bounce with Chelsea I'm not worried about new manager bounce with Brighton and I'll tell you why because new manager bounce is usually a team's been doing shit and they've wanted the manager out and the manager goes, someone else comes in and everyone's got a lift from it. That's yeah. not that's not what, what Brighton have got. Brighton have got like new manager flat as a pancake, if you like. <laughs> because nobody wanted Graham Potter to leave. They were flying, they were doing great. He's a they really got new manager, manager sag. Yeah, new manager that, that works better, yeah. <laughs> new manager sag. But and that, that's not I don't know anything about the guy. I'm not saying he's gonna be a flop or anything like that. And you know, he may well may well come here at the weekend and, and they might put up a, a really good performance. I'm just saying it's not down to new manager bounce because the, the Brighton players will have been deflated that their manager mm-hmm. left. They won't have been like, oh, great, he's gone. Now, you know, we can onwards and upwards. That's not really how they'll have been looking at it. So I don't think new manager bounce applies to this game. Uh, and I'm glad that we're, Brighton always give us problems, but it's because of Potter. You know, since his first game against us, they just looked really good and we've struggled against them so him not being there hopefully that's the end of brighton being a problem for us and we because we should be beating brighton you know that's that's there's no two ways about it we've been a really really top side for a number of years and yet when we've played against brighton it's always been really difficult so it's not that bright brighton where they are in the table we've played other teams around that area of the table and battered them so we should be beating Brighton, but the reason why we've not been able to is because they're so well organised. Graham Potter knows what he's doing, and they've played really well against us. So hopefully you've got a guy coming in now who's completely new to the league. Uh, he doesn't know his players. He's still getting to know everything. So I think this is the best possible time to play them. Now, that might come back to, to haunt me, and I'll and I look stupid after the game on Saturday. But even if, if it doesn't go well on Saturday, I still say this is the best time to be playing Brighton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, currently they're sitting four points above us in the table, Dan. They've had a great start to the season, but it's sort of like all, not so much irrelevant, but it's not so much of a consideration that it would have been like two or three weeks ago. 
Yeah, uh, unfortunately, Dave's never watched Phoenix Night, so I can't make the kids love Potter joke. Um, but he, Someone he, who listens will have done. <laughs> yeah, Graham Gr- Gr- <laughs> Potter has done an absolutely fantastic job at Brighton. Absolutely amazing. Um, so it, it's kind of bad timing for them, good for us. And as, as Dave said, I'm at risk of making myself look, look a, a bit of an arse, I, I, am, I, I would rather play them now without Potter than um, with the, the new manager. And the new manager is, is no mug, you know, he's, he's managed Shakhtar Donetsk, you know, Champions League football. You, you don't tend to get many bums managing in the Champions League. So this guy might have his own ideas, but there will be a bit of a, a downer generally in Brighton because, as, uh, as I've already kind of said, and I'll say it again because I love Phoenix Knight, because, because of, uh, of Potter, um, they I, I, honestly, I can't, I can't state the respect that I have for, for the job he's done. The what a shame he's tarnished it by going to Chelsea. Um, yeah. It's it, it it would have been a game where I look at in the calendar and go, oh, no, not these guys, because they came from 2-0 down last season and we, we, we really went to pieces against them when, when they got it back to 2-1. We had a, if you remember, Sadio had a goal disallowed mm-hmm. at 2-0 yeah. um, when the goalkeeper tried to be a clever dick, but unfortunately he kicked it against an, an outstretched arm. You know, And from that moment on, we didn't have any control in that game whatsoever. And um, a couple of times, I, I think in, if I remember right, the last time we played them, well, they beat us the last time they played at Anfield, but that doesn't count because it was a behind-closed-doors game in a season that didn't count. Yeah, everyone beat us in that spell, didn't he? Even yeah. Everton beat us. Yeah, well, that, that's doesn't just count. A, yeah, it doesn't count. Didn't happen. Doesn't doesn't exist. Um, but but right before kind of like in the, the lockdown, we, we beat them two at Anfield. Van Dyke scored two headers. We couldn't yeah. get near them. And I remember us, the yeah, I, I remember us talking about this in, in like the podcast last season around about the same time, and they feel like one of those Coventrys or Wimbledons. Of like the the mid to late nineties, where they 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 look at Liverpool and think we fancy a result. I don't know why it is because Liverpool in the late nineties were better than Wimbledon and Coventry City, and we're better than Brighton now. But there's just it's just one of those things that football throws up, isn't it? And I don't want to sound like a John Motson wearing a skin a sheepskin with all the, the, the cliches but you know, like, th- there is so- something strange I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you corrected yourself there like with sheepskin I was thinking well, when the skin or put the lotion in the basket it rubs the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose again <laughs> I mean I'm a, uh, Jules once called me cult- uh, mor- uh, culturally bankrupt um, so I don't know what that reference is, but it made, <laughs> it, but it made me laugh. Uh, unlike John uh, Motson, unlike John Motson, who I was never the biggest fan of. But I've kind of gone off track, which I'm very good at doing. Um, it will be a tricky game, but I, I, I do agree with what Dave said about it being a reasonably good time to play them because the new manager's not had a chance to look at them in training too much because a lot of his lads will have been away, including the lad we've been linked with from Ecuador, um, Caicedo. I yeah. don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Probably not. Unlike uh, Diego Yotta. I'm not surprised you didn't get the reference, Dan, because I think it needs to be pointed out to the listeners. Dan is like the only person in, like I know who's not seen Jaws, never mind anything else. Uh, that, oh, I'm man. sorry, mate. That, that's completely. Cut his mic. Well, it, it's not true as well. Have you I've watched wa- it? Have you I've, watched I've, it? I've, I've, I've watched Jaws. Yeah, I've, 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 yeah. For months we were ripping him because he hadn't watched it. He was too scared to watch it. <laughs> as far as I know, Dan, you're not you're not 
in that whole um, horror movie business at all, are you? You're a bit of a hide behind no. the couch kind of fellow when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah j- just to clear up the confusion regarding Jaws, which I've watched many <laughs> times, the confusion with Jaws was that there was a scene where the the, the boat that's, that's capsized and the head in the, okay. the hole. Yeah. My mum mm. said to me when I was quite young, about 10 or so, you know, like, don't watch this scene. Everything else is fine, but don't watch this scene. And that continued into my adult life to the extent where I've still never seen that scene. Now, in terms of horror films, you're quite right, Chris. When I was when I used to work at, at Sony as a games tester, um, the rule was don't give Dan the horror games because they won't get tested. Um, I used to test with my headphones off. I, I, one of the scariest, put it this way, the, the reason that I, I can't do horror is because of Dino Crisis on the PlayStation. The scene where the T-Rex comes through the wall um, I absolutely bricked it, took the game disc out, put it in its box and never opened it again, and I've never played or watched anything vaguely scary since. Massive yeah. shithouse. Oh, completely, <laughs> yeah. I, I am a guy Janto shithouse. You know the thing about a shark, he's got these lifeless eyes, black <laughs> eyes, like a doll's eye. <laughs> when he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living until he bites you, and the black <laughs> eyes roll over white. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too sure when Quint turned Irish, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I was never an impressionist, but uh, oh my god! In, in case you didn't know, you sleepwalked into uh, referencing yourself as uh, Buffalo Bill, the perverted serial killer who yeah. skins women and wears their wears their spo- uh, skin as a as a kind of woman suit that he's wearing for himself. So. Um, that's where this original uh, discussion came from. Don't, so. don't be saying that. Dan, I'll be having nightmares now. <laughs> I'm already going to be having nightmares, Dave, because I've, I've made John Motson relevant for five minutes. There There's go. no, no good can come of that. All right. Um, Dave, is Robbo back? Uh, Trent will obviously be... That was a weird segue, wasn't it? Uh, is Robbo back? Trent will obviously be nicely rested. Um, Darwin scored for Uruguay. Does he come into contention for a start now? Um, is Hendo ready for a start now? Southgate's given him that much-needed five minutes against Germany uh, in midweek. Uh, how do you see us lining up on Saturday? Honestly, I haven't got a clue. I, I don't think mm-hmm. Hendo's ready to start. Uh, as for Darwin, I don't know, because a lot of that depends on like the travel, doesn't it? Like When, when did he get back? How many sessions is he going to have had? Uh, they were they played the they played the Iran, didn't they? The first game, and then they played Canada. So were they at home or were they travelling? So uh, I've not really followed it that closely. So a lot of it will go on who's been here training. Now I think Bobby was with Brazil, wasn't he? Bobby got called up first call up in ages with Brazil. So I'm assuming he's been away. Mm-hmm. If Bobby had been here training, then I'm sure he would have started at the weekend, but. I think it'll just depend on when they come back, who looks the fittest and sharpest, who's got like the least miles on the clock, uh, and, and pick the team based on that. So, because Jota scored as well um, during the international break, so he'll be flying. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine Mo, Diaz, and I think Jota probably. That's what I, I'd imagine, but you never know. I mean, as I say, there's, there's a lot of factors go into it, but. I'd, I'd expect those three. I uh, don't think Hendo will start. Obviously, Trent will. I don't think Robbo's back. I'm not sure. He's, he did say after the international break, though, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. Um, yeah, so if Robbo's fit and he's had like a good, solid week of training, then yeah, he'll probably come back in because I imagine Costas will have been away with Greece. So yeah. if Robbo's been training, 
like with us then i think a lot of the team will be who's been here you know training every day so tiago didn't get called up for spain so that's a good thing uh, hopefully he's not going to make the world cup as well because the last thing we need is, is him going there and picking up an injury right so it'd be good for him to get a nice little rest because uh, he's got to wrap him in cotton wool he's so important Dan, you're looking forward to getting back to Anfield on Saturday? Uh, I'm not going, actually. Um, okay. I'm, go- I'm going to watch New Japan Wrestling. in. Oh, Japan. nice. Yeah, I remember um, you telling me about that. Yeah, so I'm going to go and watch Tomohiro Ishii forearm people in the face instead. Uh, I-, I can't wait to get back. Better than Darwin um, Nunes forearming people in the face. <laughs> well, yes, quite. Um, he's <laughs> supposed to do it, unlike uh, Darwin, who had a bit of a moment. Uh, so it'll be the Rangers game around, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Can, can, can I just... Come, come in though like you, you just like kind of mentioning that I actually if I was going I would be looking forward to I was saying to, to people a few 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 weeks ago I've just not been feeling this season I'm still burnt out from last year so if, if I'm feeling like that it, no wonder the players look a bit hungover um, I've just it's just I've not got going yet this season but I, I would have been looking forward to this game actually yes I would uh, I, not least because it, it should be a good football match because Brighton have played good football and I don't see the, the new coach coming in and, and ripping that playbook up because Brighton seem to have gone kind of like very niche with their search they've been looking for someone who fits a certain criteria yeah. and will look to play football a certain way because like I, I'm not and I'm not being disrespectful to the, the guy who, whose name evades me at the moment who's taken over um, I, I've, not, I've not heard of him but obviously with, with Brighton they, they got the Potter appointment very very right and for the kind of long term future they need to get this appointment right as well so to, to have a, a a quick search and, and to come up with this guy he must have some very specific skills that they're looking for so you would think it will be a good game of football which is what, what you want to see you don't want to be um, seeing teams come and park the bus Brighton normally come and have a go usually that plays to our strengths um, will it this season with the way we've been playing well we'll, we'll have to find out won't we yep and Dave I assume you're going enjoy, uh, sorry looking forward to getting back to Anfield on Saturday 3 o'clock kickoff, uh, a rare one and uh, seeing all the lads yeah, I can't wait. Uh, really looking forward to it. My dad's coming as well. Uh, it's his first game back since co- before COVID. Nice. Um, he was supposed to be going the Wolves game, but as we know, that got fucking called off. So, yeah, that'll get rescheduled for a night game, so my dad won't go to that. So th- there's not that many like early kickoffs or three o'clock kickoffs because uh, they're the games that my dad's like, going to be going to. And mm-hmm. so for that Wolves game to get called off, that pissed me right off. But yeah, yep. he's, he's coming on Saturday, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I expect us to win. I think we'll have like a, a decent performance. I'm not expecting fireworks and like, you know, a, a 5 nil or anything like that. But I think we'll play well, we'll do enough, we'll, we'll get the win. I've got to ask Dave, sorry Chris, I've, sorry to interrupt. I've got, I've got to ask Dave, how does your dad pronounce Nunez? Nunez, something like that, is it? Or has he got he's got that one down to a T? Um, no, he he just calls him that big shit bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does not like him at all. Uh, like the, the last match I watched with my dad, he, he was doing me head in. He was just, he wasn't even playing. He was on the bench and my dad spent the whole match like complaining about him. So um, yeah, if uh, if Darwin plays at the weekend, I hope he scores in the first five minutes just to spare everybody in the main stand having to listen to my dad <laughs> moaning about him. 
Yeah, well, you know, let's hope this is the turning of the tide for Darwin and the turning of the tide with your dad's relationship with Darwin. Yeah. Um, thanks very much to you both for to joining us. Sorry, Dave, I woke you up off the couch for this one. I'm going to go back to watching the, the news now and hope my state is spared the worst of this uh, hurricane. So um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll have a podcast after the game on Saturday. Um, but until then, we'll catch you soon. best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this? It was really good.